Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders. Every game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan. And we've got you covered on the latest all offseason. As I just said, I think this is the most important offseason in the past 20 years for the Commanders. They hired their GM, and as of this morning, they hired their head coach, Dan Quinn. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, you can catch him daily on the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. It's Craig Hoffman. What's going on, Craig? What's up, Adam? How are you? I'm doing pretty good here. So I want to throw a bunch of rapid-fire questions uh, at you here, and I want to start with a lot of uh, what I'm hearing on social media. I disagree. What is your take of people calling this Ron Rivera 2.0? It's lazy, Yeah. to be blunt. Um, Dan Quinn, like I, I, I get it, but you have to be able to have two thoughts in your head at once, which is the resume can have similar points, but it doesn't mean that they're the same person. And Ron Rivera was someone who chased headlines, didn't plan, you know, go on substance, and had way too much power. And Dan Quinn will be none of those things. He's a man who is after doing the right thing, not chasing headlines. He is, has been incredibly introspective since he uh, lost the job in Atlanta about what went wrong there and tried to be really realistic. Ron never fixed anything that went wrong in Carolina, nevertheless in Washington. And the power dynamics are going to be different, not only from what Ron was asked to do here versus what Dan is, but Dan also had a lot of personnel control in Atlanta. He's not going to have that here, so he can just be a football coach, and he's a really good football coach. I I was talking to Michael Phillips earlier today. I think there's a good chance that the offense coordinator comes from San Francisco. What do you think about that? I think that's very likely, uh, especially considering the name that has come out has been Clint Kubiak, who's currently their passing game coordinator. Um, and obviously that passing attack has been very, very good, very efficient. And I think it uses personnel very, very well. Um, so that could be cool to understand, like uh, an actual coach with a vision for Terry McLaren. Like, what does that look like versus Terry just going out and haphazardly making a bunch of plays and getting a thousand yards in a season? So I'm excited to see what it looks like. Uh, I think Clint Kubiak is, is certainly a name to watch. I think there's a couple guys down in Miami who obviously have San Francisco ties as well. But that Shanahan tree is where this offensive coordinator is going to come from, no matter uh, whether it's directly from San Francisco or someone who's worked for Kyle in the past. Craig, if you're Josh Harris, do you feel like you need to save face with the fan base here, with the fan base believing that Ben Johnson was the guy and they didn't get their guy? Um, It's a tough question because my counter question would be, what does that look like? Like, what does he have to do? Is it a press conference where he's like, sorry, guys, because he's going to be like, we never leaked anything. And, you know, people may have connected dots, but ultimately we hired Dan because we thought he was the best guy. Like, he's going to give you that sales pitch. Ultimately, the only thing that's going to matter is whether or not they win. If they win, then people will be psyched. If they lose, then people are going to be mad, and we'll be doing this again in three years. Yeah. So, and winning is the only thing that, that ultimately is going to be the result here. I do think the process is a little messy. I am curious to see kind of what comes out about it. You know, were they too caught up on Johnson or McDonald? Was Quinn always a favorite, like truly a favorite for them? If so, why were they the last ones? There's, there's questions. I'm not, I'm not trying to be obtuse about it, but ultimately, if we're talking about fans, fans care about winning. And I understand that because I also care about winning. Yeah, I do think that he does need to address the debacle of the whole plane situation. 
But the thing is, Adam, he, I'm actually glad that we, we circle back on this because it's not, to me, that's not a reflection of the commanders. It's a reflection of Ben Johnson. And it's also not as negative of a reflection of Ben as I think a lot of people want to make it. Um, is it unfortunate? Absolutely. But let's think about how this goes down. You request these interviews ahead of games, right? So they had had this interview schedule with Ben Johnson when Ben Johnson thought, hey, I'm going to the Super Bowl. Like, we're going to go beat the 49ers. I'm confident, whatever. Uh, you know, we're going to go win the Super Bowl. And, and, and then all of a sudden, Sunday, he loses. Monday, he's doing exit interviews and wrapping up things in Detroit for the, the season. And he's probably in his head going like, I'm not done here. Like I got more to do or I'm comfortable. I don't really want that. He sees how, you know, Dan Campbell's decision-making is getting ripped apart as a head coach. And maybe he goes, I don't think I'm actually ready for that. And if he's not ready for it, good for him for pulling his name out. But realistically, by the time he goes to bed Monday night, wakes up Tuesday morning, talks to his agent, the commanders are on the plane. It sucks. It's unfortunate. Uh, but it, he might have had a, a legitimate change of heart. And I'd much rather have someone have a change of heart and pull their name out than do what a lot of dudes in the NFL would have done, which is go through it because it feels like the thing you're supposed to do, accept a job that you don't really want, take the money, and then fail. So I'd rather him pull his name out now than take the job and fail because he wasn't ready to do it. Craig Hoffman with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Check him out daily on the Team 980 in Washington, D.C., and it's always available around the country for free on the Odyssey app. How do you look at Dan Quinn's stint in Atlanta? You know, everyone talks about making it the Super Bowl and blowing that lead. How do you define what he did as the head coach in Atlanta? I think Dan made two big mistakes amongst a lot of good stuff in Atlanta. Um, because it, like people forget, like oh well, he never replaced Kyle. He hired Kyle in the first place. Why don't we ever frame it that way? Like he had the foresight to be like, I think this dude's the man. I think he can work with Matt Ryan. Um, that those personalities, I'm going to make sure that they work together because those are two strong personalities. And he got the best out of both of them. Um, and by the way, that staff under Kyle, Kyle had a lot to do with it. But Dan helped have Matt and Michael Fleur on staff. Mike McDonald, or sorry, Mike McDaniel's was on staff. Raheem Morris was on staff. Jeff Ulbrich, who's currently the head coach, or sorry, the defensive coordinator of the New York Jets, and is very highly regarded and is probably a future head coach, was on that staff. But the problem is that some of those pieces left, he didn't do a good job of replacing them. So that's thing one. Like, can you keep better continuity and do a better job replacing if we get the champagne problem of, let's say, he hires Clint Kubiak and Kubiak becomes a head coach in two years? Who do you hire as your next OC? He's got to do a better job in staffing if he has success. I think the other thing that's really interesting that I've now heard from multiple people is he's got to maintain his responsibilities as a play caller. We think about this a lot with offensive coaches, but part of what makes D'Amico Ryan's work in Houston is he didn't give up being a defensive coordinator. He made, built a staff that he could do both, and he is such a talented play caller and play designer, and you know he needs to be involved on the defensive side of the ball and be a little less of a CEO, and I think he's received that feedback. And by the way, his last year in Atlanta, he tried to step back in a little bit because the defense was failing, and uh, obviously they went 0-5 and he got blown out, and it didn't really matter. But I think setting that up from go to be more involved and to just be a football coach is what he's got to do to succeed. But the culture building and everything that he did to make it so that people wanted to come to work every day and played really hard, all that stuff is tremendous, and I think he brings from day one here in D.C. Craig, Adam Schefter went on the Pat McAfee show. We played a clip where he mentioned weakening a team inside the division. Now, I don't believe that played any part of the hiring of Dan Quinn, 
But it is nice to know that we weakened the Cowboys a little bit. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with, with what you just said. It can't be the reason you do something. There's got to be other separating factors. You do not make a hire just to pull someone off of another team. But it is a really nice perk because now Mike McCarthy, who, by the way, everyone knows is on the hot seat, right? Think of how hard hiring for Rivera was last year. And he ultimately gets EB. But like part of the reason they go towards EB, which we all thought at the time was a good hire, whoopsie-daisy on that, but he wasn't going to get the hotshot young coordinator because no hotshot young coordinator was going to come in to a veteran head coach on the hot seat. And so for McCarthy... He's now got to find someone to fill massive shoes. By the way, Dan's going to try to pull some of those same people to be defensive coordinator and other position coaches here in D.C. And and everyone knows if McCarthy doesn't win a playoff game or two next year, he's getting fired and that whole staff might be blown out. So I think it's, it is a big blow to Dallas, obviously. Um, and again, like you said, not the reason you hire him but a very nice perk. Craig, what are the realistic expectations for Dan Quinn in year one? I would say he's got to turn this defense around, get them into the top 15. Yeah, I would say you've got to be competitive um, week in and week out. And that's also coming down to the reality that you're probably starting a rookie quarterback. And so can you defensively compete week in and week out? Can your offense grow over time? Like I would like their problems in 2023 to be quarterback adjacent, like young quarterback makes young quarterback mistakes adjacent. If that happens, then fine. Okay. That's, you know, as long as that quarterback is growing and we see a path towards him being really, really good. Uh, If they are undisciplined, if they're not creating turnovers, if they're not doing all the stuff you'd imagine a Dan Quinn team uh, at its best would do, and if if those things don't start to happen uh, pretty quickly, then I think you get get concerned. But what that turns into in a record, I don't know, six, seven, eight wins. I, I think it's all on the table. You know, it just depends. You know, could they be a six-win team because it's a rookie quarterback playing like it? Yes. Could they be a ten-win team because CJ or uh, because uh, Jaden Daniels turns into CJ Stroud 2.0 in terms of rookie quarterback success? Sure, I guess that'd be sweet. I'll take ten wins. Um, so I think there's a there's a wide swath of record potential expectations, but competitiveness, discipline, not blowing coverages, creating turnovers. Those are the kinds of things that I think you should see pretty immediately from what Dan Quinn can can bring to a football Yeah, can you team. dive into that a little further? Like, what type of characteristics do you put with a Dan Quinn-style defense? Sure. So, first and foremost, you are not going to see the blown coverages because there's a level of accountability that it comes with Dan Quinn that did not happen with Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera. And there's no favorites. There's no nothing. Um, I actually talked about an hour ago with K.J. Wright, who played for Quinn, in Seattle, uh, folks can hear that interview on my show later today. And KJ said, look, he is a great man. He is a guy that feels like a friend to you. And, and Michael Parsons has said the same thing. But when it's tell the truth Monday, you get in there on that film, like it's, it's on. And he's not going to dog cuss you. That's not his style. But like, you know what you messed up on. And there is accountability. And if you don't fix it, he'll find someone else to do the job. And so there, the blown coverage and all that kind of stuff, see ya. And I think the other thing that I really think of is the turnover creation. And it comes from him being an excellent defensive line coach that always is able to generate pressure, often with four. And that pressure means his defensive backs can be very aggressive and jump a lot of routes because they know they can't get hit with double moves because the pass rush is going to get home. So super aggressive up front, but not necessarily blitz heavy. 
pressure marries with the back end coverage, which is very disciplined and does what it's supposed to, that obviously leads to less blown coverages, more turnovers. Those are the kinds of things I think of with Dan Quinn defense. Craig, great stuff as always, man. What do you got coming up on your show? Uh, we got the great, the one, the only John Kime is going to join us at 5 o'clock. So we'll get a lot of those kind of newsy answers in terms of how this process actually went behind the scenes. Uh, Mike Jones is going to join us at 4.30, a little bit of more national perspective. And then, as I said, K.J. Wright, former Seahawks linebacker. Uh, we're going to air that interview, I believe, at 6 p.m. That's Craig Hoffman. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. There's been a lot going on today, of course, in case you missed it. You can rewind on the Odyssey app. We've been spending the first two hours of the show breaking down the commander's new head coach. That is Dan Quinn. Was hired earlier today. That news broke around 10.30. So you can rewind on the Odyssey app. Michael Phillips and myself have been talking about this since about 11 a.m. this morning. MP is with us once again for another segment. We've got to get to the hard-hitting story locally here, (laughs) which is the Richmond gun hole, which we had an update yesterday. It was covered. Uh And now there's another update. It's been dug up again. It's been (laughs) carved. Now, did you go visit it after the show? I did not go visit it. I, I got tired. Okay. I took a nap. I want to see it in the sunlight. I do. I want to see but it too. now. It, it's a false. It's a false hole, if really? you ask me, because it's been it's been carved out in in the shell of its former self. You know what I mean? Like they <laughs> filled it up, and now they tried to break it. Now it's the artist's view of what the gun hole was, are not you, the original gun hole. Are you a hipster gun hole guy? I <laughs> like yeah, the gun hole back when it was the gun hole. Right, it's, right. It's like the fake Mona Lisa. Now yeah. it's just smiling. I mean, what? what? <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the gun hole anymore. It's a hole in the shape of a gun now. Yeah, but I, I will say that I heard from a friend that went by it, and there were like 50 to 100 people standing outside of it. <laughs> so I can understand why the city decided to cover the hole. It actually did become a distraction. Here's my thing. Like, that's the quickest the city's ever moved on anything. Oh, I know. I would love that sort of juice in my neighborhood. Well, have you seen the other picture that's going viral of the the bushes that are in the shape of a, Is that a real? dong? Is that real? Apparently that's real. <laughs> that's real? That people saw it on Reddit and then went to go visit it, and it's actually real. Kanawha Plaza, right? I no, guess, yeah. Nobody, I, nobody set foot in Kanawha Plaza in at least 30 years. That's yeah. why this is plausible. <laughs> but it's just so funny that the city decides that that gun, is a, that gun hole is a big deal, but not other things like that that's, I mean, that's amazing or the ballpark like <laughs> they're, they're promising we're gonna get shovels in the dirt by april or may i just say i disagree i don't think that's gonna happen i haven't seen any actual movement for that oh there will be like a ceremony they're just after the ceremony is over no further shovels will go further into the dirt right yeah, yeah, yeah. we all see yeah, that we're coming. gonna cut a ribbon everyone's oh, gonna shake hands cut. yeah and we're gonna move on there will be giant scissors <laughs> yeah no it, it is unbelievable but yeah so that's your update with the richmond gun hole the gun hole was covered with cement, they did obviously a quick fix because some lunatic went out there with probably like a, a, a screwdriver and just yeah. dug it up. Well, like God forbid people stand on a public sidewalk. Right. You know, you complain all you want. It's a public sidewalk. People are allowed to stand and, and meet and, and look at a hole in the ground. Yeah. Carve it out. Send it to the Valentine. Make it a, make it an exhibit. I like Ooh. who is it that <laughs> I like. It, I yeah. like the idea of carving it out and giving it to a museum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think somebody called in with that with that suggestion on our show. Yeah, the, I, put I really the, like that. Put it on the wall of the VMFA. Let people look at it. Think of it as art. I can't believe that the story grew this much though. Like, I, like when it first came <laughs> out, I, I told Stubb, 
I don't want to like. I don't like talking about guns. I don't want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, you this, shot me down, right? I was, I and then was I saw. All right, the it's over. A, it's over a million <laughs> views. We might have to talk about it, and that's where we're at now. I had the jump on it. Yeah. I'm in touch with these things. You are. <laughs> no, you certainly are. We also uh, wanted to get to an article I read on on Axios about forty thousand people moving to Richmond in the past three years. Ninety percent of them from Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Virginia. Everybody, and then the article is quoting all these people that say. Yeah, I was working at this office building in D.C., and for the last two years, they told me I didn't need to come in. So I said, well, why am I living in Nova? Yep. Right? And uh, it, it makes so much sense. With remote work, people are able to go everywhere, and they're coming to the burger capital of America, <laughs> Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> and I kind of love that. I know a lot of people say, I hate Nova people mucking up Richmond. I'm yeah. one of those Nova people, though. It's it's one of those things where like you're cl still close enough to DC that if like there's a very important meeting, yeah. you can be there for the very important meeting. Right. You're not, and, and I know this. I've been on 95. You've been on 95. Like you can get there if you need to get there. But I know what things cost up there. I know why they're here. Oh, absolutely. And that's another here. part of it too. Is kids my age, you know, turning 30, getting into their 30s here. They've had a full time job for a few years, saving money. What's next? We buy a house. Can kids buy houses anymore? That it seems like that's just out of reach. No, my I, buddy, my I buddy just purchased a, a condo in um, what did I say? It was Jackson Ward. Ah. Jackson Ward, not the greatest area, but he's now a homeowner. Somebody I, buying something is absolutely news right now. <laughs> I had just read an article that Richmond was the ninth worst place for Gen Z to buy a house. Really, based on multiple factors like income. Price of housing, whatnot. But we're not talking about Gen Zers. We, well, I, I don't like I'm Gen Zers. We're I, talking about millennials. No, right I'd now. like to clear this up, though. That's the Nova people. You guys are like, a house, what's that cost? Like $600,000? We're like, no, that's not what a house costs. <laughs> right. We can't win a bidding war anymore. Yeah. It's all over. Yeah. Yeah, I don't believe I will ever own a home. I've kind of really? set myself to that. You don't believe you're ever going to be With a homeowner? With the way that things that is, have projected... That is not a good goal, dude. Like, give yourself I just some expectations I don't, I'm not confident here. in it. Well, you didn't really? grow up in northern Virginia. That's no, a I, that's a I'm tough born break. and raised in Richmond. Tough oh. break for you. I'm, I'm, I believe I'm going to be a homeowner by the time I'm 40. How old were you when you bought your house? Yeah, but when, when I bought the house, houses still cost reasonable amounts of money. Okay. If I tell you how much I paid for my house, you'll puke. Really? 170000 Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and you have a backyard, too, right? No, but that... Oh, you don't have a backyard. We got a, a small... It's a half lot, so we got a small front yard. There's okay. no There's no backyard. Okay. So that was obviously baked into it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, backyards were going for, like, two fifty at the time. Right, but, right. But no, I could, could not approach that now. Yeah, yeah. No. I have a fire escape made of wood. That's what, that's what <laughs> I got in my apartment <laughs> complex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you live in an area of Richmond where... Those things were built in the early oh, 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> early. Yes, I, I right. signed my. That I'm is, aware there's right, asbestos in the That is why contract. I moved to Scott's edition because I was very aware of houses in the fan, houses in Oregon Hill for my time at VCU. I said, look, if I'm committed to coming back to Richmond, I love Richmond. I need good appliances. I need a hot shower. Yeah. I guarantee you, my water pressure is better than yours. It's not bad. I think that's the that's the one thing I got going for me. It's oh, really? It takes it takes about ten minutes to get hot. It takes but, ten minutes to get hot. <laughs> but it but it <laughs> mine's hot in thirteen seconds. No, you you turn it on. You go. I don't know. You 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 get ready. You you brush your teeth and then you hop in. <laughs> Who brushes their teeth before a shower? That's a weird one. I'm still caught up on the 10 minutes, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You turn your shower on 10 minutes before you shower? Uh, I probably was an exaggeration. It's probably five. See, I, but I did, like five after is, I get uh, out of the yeah. shower, that, while I'm you know, drying, that's when I brush my teeth and shave. Well, and you don't have stuff. to wait five minutes for your yeah, shower. Yeah, I was going to say, up. he's got time to kill. He's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. he's over here doing Sudoku with crossword puzzles. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. If you want to chime in, 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So much going on here in the sports world locally. During that commercial break, I had to hop on Fox 5, their new show, Live Zone, hosted by Guy Lambert, give my take on Dan Quinn being hired as the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. You can check out Live Zone on the Fox 5 DC app Monday through Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. But joining us right now to talk a little big game from Kansas City Chiefs here, reporter Josh Klingler on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Josh? Yeah, we don't have to. We could say Super Bowl. We're talking about the Super Bowl here. We're not going to get in any trouble yet, right, for this? Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this just to start off real quick. Eric Bieniemy. what was your view on him in Kansas City? Well, he he was missed in a way this year. Um, okay. I think uh, he is a hold everybody accountable guy. And I think at times was the perfect uh, maybe good cop, bad cop um, for Andy Reid and, and probably for Matt Nagy, who's uh, now the offensive coordinator, where – he was a guy that wasn't afraid to get in people's faces and really kind of keep people uh, accountable for things. I mean, I, I thought it was a travesty that he hadn't been in uh, the really the inner inner circle for getting a head coaching job at one point in time. And I, I think sometimes you do get kind of chewed up and spit out then when you're kind of taken through the car wash of those things multiple times. Uh, but with all the turnover in head coaches we have every single year, I am surprised he didn't have a shot at some point. To be a to be a head coach, I think that 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 kind of stunk. So, um, I, I think from from an offensive coordinator perspective, um, you know, you, Andy Reid's the head coach. The offense kind of runs through him, so I, it's hard to tell how much you know you were missing. Maybe schematically by not having him, but he was definitely a guy that that wasn't afraid to you know kind of go nose to nose with people and and make sure they're doing the right things. Yeah, can you expand on, on what you mean by the thought that he was missed in Kansas City? Was it just because he could be the bad cop to Andy Reid's good cop? Yeah, I think so. I think so to a certain extent. Again, I can't, you know, I probably can't speak to the, you know, the X's and O's aspect of it because Andy Reid has a gigantic handprint on this offense. I mean, it's he, he is the head coach. There is an offensive coordinator, but everybody knows it. It all runs through him. And so mm-hmm. um, he's running the offense, you know, so – anybody could probably leave this offense and it's still going to look kind of the same. I mean, it's Andy Reid's offense, you know what I mean? So it's hard to, it's hard to say that, but I think definitively you could say, yeah, you kind of needed, and we, we talked about it, you know, certain aspects of this season, like you needed that guy that was going to get in people's face. <laughs> and that was Eric Yedeby. He was never shy about that. And so I think that portion was probably the biggest thing they missed. Let's go back to last week's AFC title game. And, of course, Travis Kelsey had a great game, and Mahomes gets a lot of credit. But, man, that defense, holding Baltimore, one of the most explosive offenses in the league this year, and the league MVP in Lamar Jackson, to 10 points. That was impressive. Yeah, this defense has been really the story of this team all season long. It becomes a little bit difficult uh, to get the the headlines when you have Patrick Mahomes and when you have um, Travis Kelsey. And of course, you know, when we get to the Taylor Swift portion of this interview, we will discuss that as well. Uh, so this, but this defense has been, you know, uh, the attention seekers to a certain extent, even before this, this, this season. They've always wanted to be the ones who are like, hey, we're tired of hearing about the offense. Yeah, we know we have these stars on offense, but um, this defense wants to make a name for itself and, and really did this year. It's the top five defense in basically every category and uh, was one that um, shut down people all season long. And at times where the offense was kind of finding its identity, they were the ones that were basically winning ball games for this team. And so 
not a surprise that they did this in the postseason. I think they were glad to probably be able to take this though to the biggest stage because uh, they don't simply don't get the attention <laughs> that the offense gets in Kansas City or nationally. Maybe more so in Kansas City now, but but nationally certainly um, that was maybe looked at as a surprise. That's been the defense that's that's been playing for this Chiefs team all season long. They finally got to the point. I think really at the tail end of the season and then certainly into the playoffs where they probably leaned into that identity uh, appropriately, which was this is a defensive first team that if the offense goes out and doesn't turn it over and you got Patrick Mahomes playing at a, at a high level and Travis Kelsey playing at a high level, you'll do just fine. But the defense is the one that can slam the door and, and they absolutely have on people uh, in the postseason. Isaiah Pacheco, a huge part of the Chiefs' success, just an incredible running style. He's like an animal. What is he like in your interactions with Pacheco? Um, he is about that speed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is an amped up, uh, runs hard, like to his own detriment at times. Because I've even said like, like back off a little bit. Like mm-hmm. running back shelf lives are not long. You know what I mean? Like. This style is going to get you killed. Uh, but he takes on all tacklers. Um, he loves to play to contact. He loves to get hit and bounce back up. And uh, he's a real energy driver for this team. And then, obviously, I think this offense uh, functions a lot better. Uh, you know, it's hard to say with Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, oh, you should just – this offense runs better when they're balanced and when he's able to run the football – and to a certain extent, when uh, this offensive coaching staff uh, allows themselves to run the football, they're always, you know, we always kind of give them a hard time about, you know, this is a pass first team, obviously, in a West Coast offense. But when they're running the football with Pacheco and he's kind of driving things, this team functions a whole lot better. Josh Klingler with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can check him out in Kansas City on 610 Sports Radio and also part of the Chiefs radio network as a sideline reporter. Patrick Mahomes, at this point in his career, how do you kind of compare his success with some of the other greats in the NFL? I mean, it just really feels like he could go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be depending on how you judge it, right? I think catching seven Super Bowls of Tom Brady is pretty, pretty stupid. But it's they're I mean, they're in a zone right now where yeah. they're on pace to make this a, a question, which is unbelievable. But, I mean, he's blasting through. You, 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 the, the records he kind of goes through just kind of wash over you now because it's something every week. It's something in NFL history every week. It's now uh, something in the playoffs every week of the playoffs. It's um, Super Bowl records when, when they play in the, in, the, in the Super Bowl games. I mean, uh, he's, he's an unbelievable talent, um, an unbelievable winner. And the guys simply follow him. I mean, he, it's, it's great when you can have a team where your three best players, and I'll call them uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and defensive lineman Chris Jones. Yep. Your three best players are your three hardest workers. And they follow the lead of those cats. And if they're setting the tone, that's the tone. And with those three, that's a fantastic thing. But Mahomes is unbelievable. He still makes plays every week where you go, are, are you kidding me? Um, and then, yeah, his ultimate like competitor drive is what makes him super special. Uber talented. He sees the field great. He's smart as heck. Um, he, he is uh, very intelligent. You, you don't call him a runner, but his ability to take off and run when it's called upon is, is just absolutely unbelievable. And the timing of it is usually perfect, and the execution's pretty, pretty spot on. 
Um, now, this year's been a, a challenge at times because they kind of had to find their way um, in, in the receiving game specifically throughout much of the season. But, um, boy, he got dialed in on this offense and dialed into what they're trying to do, and, and he's been great in the postseason too. Yeah, and, and you're right. When, it, when he scrambles sometimes, it just looks so easy. It doesn't look like he's sprinting. He's just going at his speed, uh, which is faster than a lot of guys on the field. Travis Kelsey – yeah, he, go always ahead. Says, he always says, I just need to run faster than the guy trying to catch me. He's right. like, I'm not fast. Right. I just need to run faster than the guy that's coming after me. Like, they're different types of runners, right? Josh Allen's a punishing runner at times, physical. Lamar Jackson can just, you're like, oh, oh, crap, he's gotten 60 yards on me. Um, Patrick Mahomes, though, he's just got those, like, punch-to-the-gut type runs. Like, we thought we had him. Yeah. thought he had him wrapped up in the backfield, and it's a third and ten, and he just scrambled for 12. And... um He's. Just, I think those are the ones that are just so so gut wrenching. You plan for some of the other guys that can run. Yeah, it's a hard time planning for him running, but when he does, he's just uh, just terribly smart about it. Yeah, no, he really sees the field well when he runs. Travis Kelsey, eleven catches, one hundred and sixteen yards, and a touchdown in the AFC title game win against the Baltimore Ravens, seventeen to ten. But I think what was more impressive to me than the numbers really was you had the Ravens focusing on him and yet he caught eleven of his targets, right? It, it, you yeah, know, that's yeah. that's so impressive. Yeah, he and, and he and Patrick Mahomes have just a ridiculous ESP as well. Um <laughs> you know, Travis at times this year I thought looked uh, uh awfully like beat up and really was like a physical toll. And then because of where they were uh, locked into their postseason life uh, he was able to rest in, in the final week of the season and then has just absolutely turned it on. Like, a week of rest did wonders for him. And now, in the postseason, he looks like a rejuvenated, a uh, 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 few years younger Travis Kelsey, and he's been playing unbelievable. And then he's another guy, too. Again, the drive, uh, the the will to win. Um, everybody's seen you know a lot of his personality, obviously, over the last year or two. And he's, he's fun, and he's jovial and all those things. But he is, he is uh, a guy that is just super driven and locked in. And um, when he's going and he and Patrick are going, it's, it's, it's a pretty tough combination to stop. I mean, they're, they've passed Brady and Gronk for touchdowns in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're um, on the cusp for right around some, you know, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice type number. I mean, like, like stupid stuff already. You're like, these guys just linked up like a couple of years ago, but right. um, they're, they've, they're unbelievable. That combo together is pretty, pretty ridiculous. Josh, great stuff, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a great game. I I think a lot of San Francisco and everybody's looking forward to the rematch, but um, it's been a pretty fun run. And yeah, we're pretty spoiled, pretty spoiled (laughs) here in Kansas City, the way this thing's gone. It's uh, it's, uh, uh, unbelievable to think about four Super Bowls in five years with this team. It's, it's pretty silly. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm jealous. That's Josh Klingler. Check him out as a sideline reporter on the Chiefs Radio Network. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. The small things Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Michael, the finish line is in sight. We've made it through the craziest sports radio day of the year. New coach coming. Uh, what's what's our next? I don't think offensive coordinator rises to red alert level. Yeah, Probably no. draft day, right? Probably what, draft day. What are they going to do with number two? Now, what is the date on free agency? Free agency does come... Is it before or after the draft? No, Let me I, take a look. I, yeah, t- take the take a look. If you want to chime in, final thoughts here on the Dan Quinn hiring. It's easy. 833-804-0910. Stubb will get you on the line. 833-804-0910. 
Uh, this is a March uh, March 13th, it looks like, is the day. 4 p.m. March 13th. So and that, then draft is April. That is before the draft. Draft yeah. is last week of April. Um, $90 million to spend. I don't know that they want to spend it all this no, year. No, but though. there is a red alert if we sign a quarterback. Right, like if any part of that money goes to a quarterback, that's a red alert. Um, Kirk's not coming. Uh, who 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 intrigues you? Uh, let's. I, Stubb is in on Kirk. I'm in on Kirk. Right, all in. Sure, he's not, he's not coming. That, that that's all <laughs> I'm saying there. I'm not. It's not a value statement. It's just he's not coming. <laughs> Justin Fields. Uh, that, Justin Fields is where I was going next. A, okay. a trade that involved Justin Fields would obviously be. Pretty seismic. Uh, a Jonathan Allen trade, I think, would move the needle. Yeah. Uh, if there's a Jonathan Allen trade. Yeah. Uh, your scenario where they moved a one for Caleb. Woo! Obviously, that would be a day for Ah, him. I love that idea. I'm not, like, I know I'm, like, Mr. Reasonable here. I don't hate it. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I... I like how you have chosen for now to be a Jaden Daniels over Drake May guy, right? I am a Jaden Daniels guy. Yeah. That, that, is, that is my Because lane. I agree that he has more upside. I'm just I'm so big on the ceiling. That's why I loved Ben Johnson. That's why I started beating the drum for Mike McDonald. I just yeah. I look, if you miss, you miss. I I've watched bad football. I've watched a lot of bad football. <laughs> I, I don't want to see nine win, ten win football. I want to see Super Bowl football. Yeah. No, you're right about that. You're listening to the new sports radio nine ten the fan. Now at 105-1 FM. Uh I brought in a little gift this morning to celebrate. This is the final show in studio before we go on location for the big game, the Bud Light. Big game week. It's going to be a ton of fun, a ton of fun. Five shows live from Vegas tomorrow. I'll be out at River City Roll. So to celebrate, I brought in Dunkin' Donuts. Donuts. Dunkin' donuts. donuts. Now I brought in six. Stub, how many have you? I only had one, but I was going to grab one at the Who end. Who had of the, show. the second one? I had a donut. Oh, you had a donut. So there are four donuts I... left. I have put a twenty-dollar bill on the table. I smell a bit. Stub, that twenty-dollar bill is yours if you finish all four of the donuts before the end of the show. Oh, that's so dope. I have three minutes and you have 40 three seconds minutes to eat the two jelly filled donuts, one Boston cream I, pie. I will say this and three, one glazed three of the four have filling in them. I, I, I think I, <laughs> I think there could be time issues here. You're honestly. wasting your time to make this $20 as you're deciding whether or not to do the bit. Ladies and gentlemen, he's <laughs> doing the bit. The clock is ticking. Can Stubb finish four donuts? Michael, give us a little play-by-play -play here. <laughs> he's going for the jelly-filled first. It's a heart-shaped jelly-filled. Valentine's Day's coming up. He's got a uh, it's red jelly cream in the middle. He's moving through this very quickly. Yeah, he's, get on Mike, Stubb. He's got, to, he's I want to hear you chew here. Yeah. He's got one bite left. Uh, Trying not look, to get sugar on look, the, the board. Don't okay. get sugar on the board. Uh, that would be Band. Did we, he just crush one donut in like twenty if, seconds now? If he brings if he brings the studio down before Bud Light Big Game Week, that's that's obviously not going to be worth twenty dollars. Now now this is important. He's onto the jelly filled here. Watch this is for the stub to drip. Watch for the drip. Here. No, this is the second jelly filled. Um, oh, I, there was a drip right there. I thought. Well, the pow <laughs> that's powdered sugar. Oh, okay. That's powdered <laughs> sugar. That's that's spilling. No, I I don't think the jelly is as much of an obstacle as I'd initially thought. I had pegged the jelly. As being Stubbs' number one obstacle, he's plowing through. Time looks good. Still has a full two minutes left. Um, obviously, he's going to need to keep the pace. Now, isn't it um, lovely what a twenty dollars bill can do to a young man? I'm ahead of pace right now. <laughs> You're ahead of pace right now. You, I got you, time. Time to share. Was a minute. I got two and a half. Yeah. No. Yeah. He, he's 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 at a great pace. Uh, now, if, if you throw up, you do lose the twenty dollars bill. All right. I will let you. Water, I there was no water. I will let you down some water if needed. There's an extra bottle there. 
I don't know. You want some AWOD backwash? He's going for the AWOD backwash, folks, as he's on to the Boston cream pot. Do you want me to go get you a water stub? Zach? Yes. Okay. Okay. Grab, right grab the man of water here. I'll right. fill in on play-by-play duties. Stub has less than three minutes remaining here to finish. I got another, two minutes on the dot. All right. Another donut and a half here. You are destroying the Boston cream pie. Do you enjoy Boston cream pies? Is that one of your this favorite probably, donuts? This is really good. Yeah. I, I, I have the benefit. I haven't eaten anything today. Okay. So that's definitely helping me here. Yeah. Yeah, as he's rocking a Midlothian performing arts sweatshirt here. Richmond native this, stub, Christopher Carlson, trying to complete the donut challenge. This is a performance here, folks. We, yeah. haven't, we haven't seen a performance like this in studio in a while. Very impressive. He's getting down the water right now. Uh, get, get himself hydrated. He's got one more to go. He's got a full minute oh, to Oh, wow, eat it. that was a huge bite. He, I would call that, growing up, I'd call that a dad it's bite. It's starting to hit <laughs> You know, me. like your dad lie. says, can I have he, a bite? And then he takes the half sandwich. I worry he's going too slow, and this is going to catch up to him in a second. Yeah. That his stomach's going to start yelling at him, stop doing this. He, oh, it is. He actually needs to move fast. Faster, not oh, it's slower your stomach here. talking to you right now, Stub. Yeah. What, is, what is it saying? <laughs> Too many donuts? Yeah, this is yummy. Oh, it's, it's uh -huh, yummy. Uh -huh. See, he's enjoying it. Yeah. $20 on the line. Stub, how much time left in the show here? I got 50 seconds. He's got 50 bite. seconds left here. Well, we're going to have a, a few <laughs> bites left. We're going to have a full post-game interview. Tra Tracy Wolfson's going to be yeah. in here talking now, to Stubb. We're going to have time to do it before we throw it to the studio. What do you think here? Do we think, does he need to finish all the sprinkles in here? I uh, think you need to lick the box clean. I'm not doing that. Oh, you're not going to do that? <laughs> no, other people, no commitment to the other bit. Other people's hands no are in that. No commitment to the bit. Oh, no commitment. I just had four donuts. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this. You probably averaged about 35 seconds a donut. I, I got to say, right. like, I think I could eat a donut at 35 seconds, but the way you just move from one to two to three to four, uh, seamless. Yeah. Uh, I'm Stun, a winner. I, are you going to hate me tomorrow when... You get home and you're just having a tomorrow for three hours. Tomorrow, <laughs> we talk about this. I'm 23. I'll be fine. Okay. I th I mean, you may feel this in an hour. You I think he might. <laughs> I mean, he does have that young metabolism. Like I want to say, my metabolism <laughs> didn't slow down till 24, 25. Yeah. And at that point, then automatically you gain 15 pounds. If I did this right now. I would be 10 pounds fatter. we got to bring him to Vegas and go to the buffet. Yeah. Oh, I would be so happy. Stop. Final <laughs> thoughts here as you won the $20? Well, I also won four donuts. I love it. I love it. I love that. That's our guy. That's our guy. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.